Now Joseph was taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's military, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. He was in the house of the Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused that all he did would prosper in his hands. And so Joseph found favor in Potiphar's sight and attended him. He made him the overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that uh, he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptians' household for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was upon all that Potiphar had in the house and out in the field. And so he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And with him there, he had no concern for anything except for the food that he ate. And that is the word of God for the people of God today. Thanks be to God. Lord, speak to me that I may hear and speak through me that we all may hear. And having heard this story of old and new today, make us not just hearers of it, but doers of it. For it's in Jesus' name we ask, amen. So you saw my message series title up on the screen, Joseph, Dreams, Detours, and Destiny. No doubt that today's part of his story falls into the detours category, right? Yes, all these great dreams that he had as a young man of 17 probably seemed like they had fallen to waste or by the wayside, and that there was no way he was going to become great in life. And it was not going to be an easy path if he would. He certainly was going to have to trust God if that would be the case. If you've ever had dreams before and they've been squashed or, or detoured, you know how easy it is to throw in the towel and give up. And the inspiring power of Joseph's story is to tell us not to do that. To not give up, to not give in, to not throw in the towel because by... Another route, God will take us where God wants us to go and help us to fulfill God's plan for our life and God's destiny, our purpose for being here. And so today, we'll look at Joseph's rise as a slave and to the position of overseer of this very important and powerful man's house in the court of Pharaoh in Egypt. And the first thing we notice in this passage is is about God's presence being there with Joseph. Did you notice, did you listen again and again three times in these six short verses? It says that the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. It seems that we're supposed to hear that the Lord was with Joseph, right? Because it might seem being taken advantage of by those he trusted, his family, being cast into a pit, being plotted to be murdered, being sold into slavery, that somehow we might think that God was not with Joseph during this time, but God was. God was with Joseph. The writer of Genesis tells us again and again. We need to hear that in times of suffering and times of challenge and difficulty. Why? 
bad things happen to good people that are faithful to God? We don't know. It's the old question, theologically, called the Odyssey. And we wonder why. Joseph, if he's being faithful to God, is he facing such difficulties and challenges? It's easy for us to doubt when detours come along in life, right? Yeah, when road signs crop up and when pathways we think are open are suddenly closed, when things don't go as we wished or as we had planned on. Let's don't fall into thinking that somehow God has abandoned us, though that certainly runs through our human minds, doesn't it? It does. Yes, this last week in, in Lumberton, it was hot. Can I just say it was hot? Add five, maybe seven degrees to whatever temperature it was here, and that's what it was in Lumberton. Wow, the coolest day we had, the high temperature was 94 The hottest was 97. All the heat indexes were well over 100. And we were out in places where there was not a whole lot of shade. We sweated. I saw some how hot is it jokes this last week, and I thought I'd throw them in. How hot is it? It's so hot that a squirrel was seen picking up nuts with a potholder. That's how hot it was. How hot is it? It's so hot that I saw a funeral procession pulling through the Dairy Queen drive-thru for ice cream. How hot is it? It's so hot that the Jehovah's Witnesses began telemarketing this week instead of door-to-door visits. How hot is it? It's so hot that cows are uh, giving out powdered milk. Yeah, that's, that's how hot it felt in Lumberton. And every once in a while, every once in a while, there would be the rustling of the leaves around us and a cool breeze that would just gently blow in and give us what seemed like a breath of fresh air. And, of course, I said, thank you, Jesus, for that breeze. I, I know Jesus didn't make that particular breeze. I understand how weather works and how... Uh, systems of, of things change in the atmosphere. But who else are you going to thank in a moment like that in the hottest, worst part of the day when you aren't acclimated to that kind of heat, when you are dehydrated, though you're drinking a bottle of water an hour? Who else do you thank when you get a brief break like that? I'm certainly not going to say thank you, Ed Matthews or Van Denton, Thank you, Jesus, for that that brief reprieve, that refreshing reminder that you're here with me in the difficulty, in the hotness of it all. So I want to encourage you today, as Joseph did, to wait patiently on those cool breezes, those reminders from God that he's with you because he is not leaving you, though it may seem so. You're not alone, though you may be lonely. You're not separated from God, though you may not feel his presence. God is with you, and if you will wait for it, if you will wait long enough and not give in, like a gentle breeze, God's still small voice will speak to your soul. An encouraging word will come from a friend. A card will come in the mail. Someone will give you a hug and let you know that you're not abandoned in that time. Joseph clung to that in his difficulty, in in his rise as he went from 
from slave in a pit to a successful overseer, he counted on God's presence. We also notice in the story about God's prosperity, because it's mentioned not only three times that the Lord was with Joseph, but it also connects three times, these six verses do, that that was the reason for his success, quote, and for the blessing of Potiphar's house, because God was with Joseph. Joseph, though talented as he was and though young, was given a divine presence and ability to do things in a great way that blessed him and those that were around him. The writer of Genesis points that out to us, that prosperity is a part of what Joseph is doing there, though he's just simply a slave. And because of that, he is a blessing to others, and God is doing a good thing for him, and even preparing him for the things that are to come. Now, it's easy for us to get mixed up and think that, that people that do good things only get blessed, and those that aren't faithful to God don't get blessed. They get there are just rewards if they're bad. But that's not the case, is it? No, Jesus even said it rains on the just and the unjust alike. God's blessings flow to all people, even to, to someone like Potiphar that, that had no idea who God was. But he noticed that Joseph's God was with him and doing a great thing. It's easy for us to think that, that God is a genie, if you will, that just gives us good things for good behavior and maybe gives us whips or lashes for bad behavior. Kind of like a, a warden, if you will, or a principal, and that's just not the way that it works because life's much more complicated. God is much more complex. Yeah, uh, last year, there was a firestorm in the media, and I'm sure you caught this, over several televangelists that were asking their supporters, their donors, to, to buy them jets. That's right. I'm not talking about little prop planes. I'm talking about jets for them to travel on, to go to places where they can, can preach and proclaim the gospel. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, but I certainly know how I feel about that. Uh, when they were questioned, all three of them, about why they didn't take commercial flights. Instead, why couldn't they utilize first class even to get where they needed to go? They simply said, well, there's no way to get directly where we need to go without having to stop over like the rest of us to be able to get to a location. Well, the problem, especially with this, is that, that the jets that they were asking for were $60 million, $48 million, and then the other one's cost was undisclosed. And to make matters even worse, one of the televangelists already had three other jets. They just weren't the latest and the greatest model. That were the quietest and the most fuel efficient. And the problem with all of this, of course, is that they preach a pros prosperity gospel, it's called, that says that because they are good and faithful to God, they get grandiose and marvelous things like this, or they should. They believe that they're entitled to it, and they believe that God provides those kinds of things for them while, while most of the world suffers in poverty, while millions of children die every day around the world because they lack food to eat. There's something wrong to say simply that 
that God's blessing is something for us to cling to and hang on to for ourselves. Nothing wrong with earning money and, and making it, but I think God has limits. And he shows us that through, through Joseph's story. God was not blessing Joseph so that he could be made wealthy and rich. He was using him as a tool to do a greater thing for, for those that would come in times of famine some decades later, including his family. He did not take all of the good success that he had and say, this is all me, and this is all for me, because he knew there was a bigger plan involved. God wants us to, um, to have all that we need in life, no doubt, but God does not want us to hoard, and God does not want us to, to build people when there are others in the world that are in such great need. This uh, story of Joseph reminds us of, of God's bringing prosperity into the world and to, to those who are faithful to him so that we might be a blessing and a help to the entire world. That's just how it works. The last thing of this passage today is that we notice God's providence at work. And if you don't know that word, it's not a Methodist word per se, but it is a, it is a uh, contextual um, word of theology that has to do with God's plan being played out. God's plan being played out. And there is a sense of providence in Joseph's life where, whereby we see that, that though he doesn't understand what's going on or why, he still believes and trusts and has faith that God is going to use him in the way that he has described him to be used way back in his dreams. Joseph did not give up to and give in to hopelessness, but instead believe a greater purpose and plan was at work, and he was going to be a part of it. Now, I don't know that any of us here have ever been enslaved before. Anybody want to volunteer if they've been enslaved before? Yes, slavery is a long and a, a great mar on the world and on humanity where some people think that they should be able to rule over and uh, take advantage of other people. That's not how God created us to be. It's not the reason Jesus came into the world to show us to do that. Slavery is a dark and a difficult chapter in human history. Yeah, Joseph himself a slave. Can you imagine being all of a sudden at the mercy of someone that can do whatever they want to with you or to you. I mean, just, just days before he was thrown into the pit and taken by the Ishmaelites down to Egypt, he was wearing his fancy cloak around that his father had given to him. He was telling his brothers how great and wonderful life was and how he was going to even rule over them. Imagine the change in attitude and the change in his heart from going at the top of the world as a young man to the bottom of the pit of being enslaved and trapped for, for years to come, years to come. Though Joseph was successful there in Potiphar's house and though he uh, was a blessing to him, he was still a slave. He was not the master of his own destiny. And think about 
how difficult and heartbreaking and how gut-wrenching and life-draining that must be. There was a movie several years back, Academy Award winner, and I watched it on video at home, 12 Years a Slave, about a man during the time uh, before the Civil War, I believe, that was a free man in, in American history um, living in the North, and he was entrapped by two jucksters that wanted to take advantage of his race so that they could take him down south and sell him into slavery. They tricked him up, and they did that. And he was put on a plantation. He was treated like all the other slaves. And for 12 years, he toiled. He was abused. He worried and wondered about his family back home. He was heartbroken and, and easily beaten down to, to a pulp. And yet there was something within this man that did not give up. There was something in this man that still looked for every opportunity that he could find, every possibility for him to get word back to, to those that knew him in his community and his family, that he was indeed a free man. And yet, again and again, detour after detour, roadblock after roadblock, he labored on as a slave. How do you keep hope? in times when it just seems there's no end to the hits that keep on coming. You believe that God has a greater plan in store for you. Do you believe that about yourself, about our young folks? Do you believe that? Because it's true simply by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. He has died for us all. He has lavished us with forgiveness and grace. And he has painted for us a tremendous future. And though your season may be a difficult one right now, it may be a building season like Joseph where you're learning skills for the future or, or trying to figure out ways to, to grow in your understanding or building a reputation for yourself as God's person. Though the season might be difficult and you may feel enslaved or trapped, don't give up. On God, because God's providence has not given up on you. His plan is for you to find great success in serving him and being his person in the world. I love um, how in verse 5, as I, I close out this morning, of, of how Genesis points out that Joseph was being planned and prepared for the future to come. Listen to what it says. From, time, from the time that Joseph that Potiphar made Joseph overseer in his house, and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that Potiphar had in his house and in the field. Now, this is an important point here that we'll see realized a few weeks down the road because Joseph will be put in store of, of the possessions of Pharaoh, basically, of of the storehouses of Pharaoh in times of famine. God is specifically planning and utilizing his skills and abilities and honing them and developing them for something that is to come. It seems like a hardship, and he certainly is enslaved. And yet Joseph sees that somewhere in it all, God is preparing him for a greater day. So let's don't give up too quickly, okay? 
Let's believe that God's plan is sufficient for our lives. Let's continue on and not lose faith because God will bless us and use us in a powerful way if we will remain faithful to who he has called us to be as followers of his son, Jesus Christ.